It is Thursday, August 11th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who sleeps harder than a Washington Nationals two-game winning streak, J.P. Shadrick. I'll take that. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday. And we've got a busy show ahead. Training camp rolling along. Preseason week one officially is here. Tomorrow night, the Jaguars entertain the Cleveland Browns. And we'll get to the Jags playing time. We'll hear from Doug Peterson coming up. Jeff Lagerman, Jaguars analyst. And then the Doug Peterson show at 5 o'clock today. Uh, no coach on the show today. We'll hear a bunch from Doug throughout the week, though. Plenty to get to heading into preseason week number one. The Jag starters will go this week, according to head coach Doug Peterson earlier this week. Yeah, this week this week I'm going to let the starters play, um, you know, get their feet wet a little bit in this football game, a couple series. Um, nothing too nothing too crazy, nothing too long. But just want to get them the feel of the game and, and get them in there and uh, get them working, you know, in, in game game situations. How important is that for Trevor as far as his development in the offense to get those game reps? Well, it, for him, it's important, but also for the offense, right? I mean, it's it's a new scheme. You got new new faces, new people out there that he's working with, and you know, new center. So just just you know, uh, seeing all of it put together, you know, and and just want to have some some crisp plays, some good execution, and um, you know, try to score try to score a few points and, and get them out. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, he was on the sideline at the Hall of Fame game, had the earbud in to hear the play calls. He'll get the start this week, as you heard Doug Peterson say, and number 16 is ready for action. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Um, you get great work in during the week. I mean, that's why that's why we practice, and especially the way our defense is, um, just do a lot of different things. I think it's great as a quarterback getting to go against that every day. Uh, makes you think, makes you really communicate with each other on offense, so... That's been great for us all camp. And then, yeah, of course, you know, you want to play, um, but you also realize what the coaches are doing, and you know it's a long season. Like, being a part of it last year, 17 games plus hopefully playoffs, all that. Um, it's a long season, so you know it's a marathon, and don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves. But I, I, whenever that what time is, I'll be ready to roll and get out there and whatever that is, you know, this week, next week, however much I play, don't know yet. Um, just being as efficient as possible when it is out there, live reps. Doesn't change anything except for that I can get hit, but still you play the same way, um, and then we'll be you know we'll be ready to roll. That's Trevor Lawrence Monday, and the day before that on Sunday the team cranked up the heat with live tackling periods. Travis Etienne Jr. was ready to finally get some contact. Nah, I need that. Needed to get hit. Yeah, no, nah, I need that. I mean, like you said, I haven't, been, I haven't played in so long. Like, I want to get tackled. I need to get tackled. Just to get back, just get my body, my body back acclimated with that. Uh, I just been at home working out, chilling on the couch, stuff like that. So uh, to come out here to get a little bumps and bruises, I miss that. I miss that contact. You know, uh, it may sound crazy, but I miss kind of being in those car crashes. Well, there you have it, Travis Etienne Jr. We'll get the defensive side of that coming up a little bit later from Andre Cisco. We welcome in. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman. Now, good afternoon to you, Jeffrey. Good afternoon, JP. I can't believe that he took some of the shots that he did and practiced on Sunday. <laughs> so we were, of course, coming back from Ohio. Didn't get to see it in person, but you've seen it on tape. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Right? Watch, watching the film, and I'm like, man, you gotta, you gotta defend yourself. I mean, it was almost as if. Travis just didn't see the defenders at all and was just getting whacked. 
He's like, wait a minute, you know, hey, look, you know, prepare for it, you know. Uh, he got uh, one hit by uh, – Cisco was the first one. Cisco was one, and uh, gosh, who was the other one? I mean, that one – the second one might have been worse. Press Taylor – I think it was Rayshon Jenkins got him. Press Taylor described it, the offensive coordinator, when he spoke this week, is kind of like the tackles you see in football movies. Yes. Like where the guys are flying head over heels. When, when, when he's ta- yeah. What he's talking about is that in the movies, you know, the guy gets hit and he doesn't see it coming at all. Right. And that was kind of what the plays looked like a little bit with, with Travis. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, if, if, if I'm a defender and I'm approaching him in that fashion, I'm going – does he know that this is live? <laughs> I mean, kind of unprepared. But anyway, if, look, if he wants to take the hit to get ready because he hasn't played football in a long period of time, uh, more power to him. But I'm not going to do that. I mean, if I was running back, I'd step out of bounds, you know, where you've got you got the gain, okay, because you got to be smart. It's about getting ready for a 17-game season now. And you have to be able to minimize the contact that you take. Look, I understand you haven't played football in a while. But trust me, you got plenty plenty of it in front of you. That's right. And Doug Peterson described that this week. You know, there's only a couple of days in training camp where he'll have some live periods. One of those was Sunday. There's another one coming at some point next week before the Steelers preseason game. Just because you only have a limited amount of time in pads and – what, only four games, three games with the starters out there. So throw it in a couple times, a couple periods in those two practices, really. That's about it. And uh, that's well, his me, philosophy. Let me say this, too. Um, a live practice period is it's – not, it's not the same as live in a game. You're not cutting. You're not going to the knees. Yeah, you're not tackling low. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you, you understand in your mind and – in your heart that these are my teammates and I'm going to protect them. Okay. I understand the drill is live, but I'm not going to do anything that would put myself at risk. And I'm not going to do anything that would put my teammate at risk. And so there are a lot of things in this live period that really aren't quite live, but it's as close to live as you're going to get in a practice. That's for sure. All right, playing time. Doug Peterson, you just heard from the Jaguars head coach. The starters will play, certainly on offense. Our first look at Trevor Lawrence in a game situation. Some of his weapons will be with him as well for the first time. And there's some battles on the offensive line. We'll get to that uh, coming up. So for the quarterback, what do you think? couple drives, get him in there, get him warmed up, uh, you know, move the ball a little bit, hopefully yeah. some points and get him out, right? Yeah, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, uh, come out and have one drive and let's say you put together a you know seven eight play drive and it results in a touchdown and you go okay that's enough you know you're done but if all of a sudden you have drive number one and it goes five plays and a punt you know then you're like okay as a coach you know you've one thing you'd like to have and Doug mentioned this when he talked about it was points you know it's about scoring points it's what you do on offense and so uh, if it takes a couple drives to get some points, and that's what it takes. If it takes one drive and seven or eight, nine plays, then okay, that that's it. You, you, that's enough. You guys are done. So I think it all depends on performance. Defense is probably going to be about the same way. You want to have guys have success, and, and that's the most important thing. You want to have success and then go ahead and protect your guys because more than likely – the Cleveland Browns are going to be taking their guys out after a series or two as well. And so 
are you are you getting the quality of reps that you really want to get when all of a sudden the opponent's not playing their guys? You know, you know, you want to have even. You know, when things are even, okay, let's get some real good reps. If 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 your starters are in there and the Cleveland Browns are on their third team, it's, eh, it's yeah. not the reps you're looking for. And you know, guys on the third team are in theory bubble players. They're trying to kind of make big plays and do things that might be out of the norm. Right. Uh, in that kind of situation, you can put your guys at risk. Well, you just way. don't want to. You don't want to lose a starter. That's right. And yeah. uh, in a preseason game, going to you know starter going against a third team guy. You know, if, if you do, then all of a sudden you're going to look back on it and go, "What were we thinking?" Uh, this will be the uh, Jaguars' first look at some of their offensive weapons. Christian Kirk turned an ankle earlier this week. We'll see what happens with him. But Zay Jones should be a go. Evan Ingram, uh, Marvin Jones Jr., who's been around here, of course, a year. And then Travis Etienne Jr., the running back, will get his first look since last preseason when he suffered the Liz Frank injury in New Orleans. Yeah, and when's the last time he played a real meaningful game? You go, you go Cle- back Clemson. to the the bowl game at Clemson, right? That him and Trevor played in together as college teammates, and that's that's a long time. I mean, a long time. And uh, I, I will say this. With Travis, anytime you have a running back that's coming back from a foot injury, it's a major concern. Major concern, right? I mean, running back and feet. I mean, last time I checked, running backs need to have the feet. It's kind of where it begins, I think, yeah, right? Ex- exactly. Yeah. And with a quarterback or an offensive lineman, you know, they might be able to not be 100% and they can fight through it. But with a running back, speed, acceleration, change of direction, I mean, everything is based upon your feet. And it's it's been amazing watching him. He's coming back from this Liz Frank thing, which a lot of people may not know what that is. Just to simplify it, it's a midfoot sprain, and he had a surgical procedure that inserted a, a screw of some kind to stabilize the situation. And he has shown no ill effects. I mean, he has looked fantastic in practice. He's looked fast. He's looked elusive. He uh, has a, a wide skill set to where he's not only just gonna not going to be just a runner, he's going to be a receiver. And when James Robinson gets out there, I'm excited about the possibilities of what they can do with both of them on the field at the same time. Press Taylor and the offensive coaches are going to have all kinds of fun scheming things up with the two of them yes. and a Jamal Agnew. Right. Absolutely, who can do a bunch of different things. And then LaVisca Chenault could be in that mix in the backfield. Who knows, like moving ahead. This is 1010XL 92.5 FM and Jaguars.com. Jaguars social media as well today. Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, we're on Twitter also, at JP Shadrick, at Logs56. And the Browns-Jags game this uh, Friday, tomorrow, brought to you by Coke Florida. Now the offensive line battles. There's a couple raging there. We haven't really seen... The full raging left guard battle yet. Tyler Shatley's been getting most of the first team reps in practice. Ben Bart certainly is still in the mix there. But the one I think a lot of people have been focused on is right tackle. Walker Little getting most of those reps up until this week. Jawan Taylor coming off that hamstring issue that put him down for a week or so. Both are expected to play with the first team this week. Where does this stand right now at right tackle? I think it's dead even. I think Walker Little because he had a, he had a very good start in the Hall of Fame game, and because he's been practicing, I would say that he is ahead. But because Jawan Taylor has the previous starting experience, I would say that that keeps things equal. 
the now is the time where you're going to find out, you know, who's the best. And uh, I don't know exactly how they're going to split up the rotation. Will they go every other series? Will they go, okay, one plays the first couple drives and then the other one goes in the next? But here, if they alternate every series, which I think that's been talked about by Doug, there's a lot of offensive linemen and a lot of players that would tell you they don't like it like it that way. And the reason why is you never feel like you get into a groove. You know, you, you get a couple plays, and then you, you're standing watching for a series, you get cold. Okay, and then you're back in there. And again, you know, some guys would rather have it split up. Okay, one guy take the first quarter, the other guy take the second quarter, then the next week you just flip-flop it. But it's hard to get a, a, a fair evaluation that way because who you're playing in the first quarter might be way different oh, yeah. than who you're playing in the second Absolutely. quarter, especially in the preseason game. Especially games. against the Browns. Exactly. <laughs> so so I, I get the, the every other series if, in fact, they do that. But, again, just to make a note that the players don't like that much. But it is a real battle. And I think there's a real battle that's a little bit subtler uh, or more subtle at left guard. Yeah. And the reason I say it's a little bit more subtle because you're not seeing Ben Barch and Tyler Shatley rotate and it's not being talked about that much. But Tyler Shatley is like the ultimate swing guy on game day. You know, he can back up your center position. He can back up your guard positions. And uh, Ben Barch has got some playing experience, albeit on the right side because Norwell was a, a fixture at left guard. Can Barch make that transition to the left side? Can can he get his feet to move faster or to play faster on game day? A lot of times his feet kind of get a little bit slow, and then that's where he gets kind of beat around the edge or whatever. And I don't think it's a, a more of a, a feet issue as it might be, you know, hey, look, it's maybe an awareness issue whatever. But he's got to get better if he's going to expect to beat out Shatley because they love having the veteran presence on each side of Fortner and to where they're, you're, you're not worried about – well, look, hey, look, we got two guys on each side of our rookie center. They're both accomplished. They can help him with the calls, and they can help him in performance. If you have an, another guy that's out there that's a little bit inexperienced and may end up not being perfect in some situations, you're like, well, wait a minute. What's Because the ultimate decision is, JP, it's not about who's the best left guard. You know, we're talking about just that position. And you can probably put the right tackle position in the same conversation. Mm -hmm. It's about which guy is going to make the offensive line better. So does Tyler Shatley, more experienced, less apt to have his feet kind of be a little slowed? Or does the more physical power of a Ben Barch make the offensive line better? Right. So, because you got you got to factor in these guys play next to other people and their performance impacts the one next to them. So, uh, that's going to be an interesting equation because the better player may not necessarily may not necessarily win out at left guard, but the player that makes the offensive line as a group better. And then that could be opening day, kickoff weekend, and then a few weeks down the road, it may circumstances could it change. May, it may change week two. That's right. You know, just because, well, we we thought, well, we thought yeah. well, our offensive line was going to be better as a whole by playing player X at left guard or player X at right tackle. You know, it didn't really work out that way, so we're going to go and switch it up. The evaluation is never over in the NFL. It, it is not. That's and when you works. when you have a new coaching staff, yeah. there's you're probably – a little bit more likely to have that kind of a scenario to where because you don't have a history with these guys. 
Let's come back. We'll get into the defensive side, what they're looking at this week and what to expect from the defensive side of the football. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The station that the Jaguars listen to, 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, honestly, usually the defense is ahead. It should be. It should be, right? I mean, offense, there's a lot more timing involved with the, with the five offensive linemen and the running backs and making sure, you know, pad level's on the same angle, you know, that the offensive line is in, the quarterback's eyes, the timing, the details, the routes. There's, there's just more timing things with the offense. So this time of camp and really probably – Early in the season, usually, um, the defenses may have a little little advantage. That's head coach Doug Peterson. Defense has the advantage early. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. And Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Star Credit Union. Do good, bank better. Well, the defense last week in Canton, Ohio, logs didn't have five, four or five of the key starters in the depth chart, at least, in the front seven in that game. They gave up 159 rushing yards. Right, let me make a note here. The Raiders didn't play their starters either. I agree with that. I'm just making a <laughs> statement. They gave up 150. Well, don't give one well, the side. Starting, the running back play, Josh Jacobs was running like a deer all over the Wasn't place. Wasn't that crazy? How about that? That he actually played? Then there was speculation, oh, they're trying to trade him, so showcasing him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. but uh, Either way, they're running all over a, this. He's game. a front-line guy, top NFL running back that was playing – in the Hall of Fame game? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, what are you doing, right. Josh McDaniels? Well, it wasn't just him running over the Jaguars. 159 rushing yards, some misfits. Uh, who played well in that game on defense, and who needs to take a step, you think? Well, first and foremost, Trayvon Walker played really well. You know, I mean, when, when you have all the attention on you to play as well as he did and, and played well right out of the gate, you know, the very first play – was the power rush that he had against uh, the left tackle, which that guy is normally the starting right tackle. So, uh, But he powered him back into the lap of the quarterback, comes off and hits the quarterback and uh, in the chest and gets penalized for what they believe was a blow to the head and neck area, which it wasn't the case, but it looked that way. I could understand why the official thought that it was. And then he comes back later and he has a sack. He was uh, uh, excellent as far as chasing the ball down the line of scrimmage, disengaging, getting off of blocks and being active. You know, so I, I like I like his start. You know, it was a really, really good start. Uh, I thought Tyson Campbell played pretty solid, was glad to see that uh, there was no uh, injury that, uh, you know, a little concerned there yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, and, and Doug Peterson actually talked about that this week too, that kind of not that he had to prove anything to him but it told him something about his personality that he didn't have to go back in the hall of fame game uh, yeah but was, he wanted uh, to go back and prove that he was ready to go back so doug put him back in the game and he finished yeah, and out his two drives couldn't tell if it was a shoulder or an arm or whatever it was that they were trying to kind of you know get he was loosening up that left arm shoulder quite a bit mm -hmm. and I, I, the other guy i thought that played pretty well was andre cisco had some really nice opportunities in the open field and, and was clutch. I mean, look, the, 
the name of the position that he plays, safety, is self-explanatory. You have to be able to make tackles in the open field because you're the safety valve. You're the one that prevents touchdowns. And the Raiders got a couple runs that got out. And Andre Sisco did an excellent job of, of bringing down good runners. And there's Josh Jacobs in the open field. I mean, that's a really good football player that he tackles in the open field. I think that's Josh Jacobs. Yes, it is. And Cisco has had an excellent camp, excellent camp. And here's the thing. We haven't even seen much of what he does best. He didn't play last year. No, I'm, I'm talking about this year in camp. All right. You know, what we've seen in from my perspective, what he does best is when he's around the ball. This guy is a ball hawk. He's got excellent ball skills. Uh, somehow somebody put him on the defensive side of the ball when he was young, when he probably should have been on the offensive side of the ball because he's got excellent hands. He's got great anticipation. You heard Trevor talking about it this week to where Trevor said that he takes educated guesses, I guess you could say, <laughs> chances. Uh, but uh, – you don't take chances from that position. You take calculated risks. And some of the best in the business were Palomalu and Ed Reed. I mean, these guys sometimes weren't anywhere near where their responsibility was at. But they knew, but had a they, nose for the, they knew. where the ball was going. They, exactly. Yeah. They, they, they weren't guessing. They were educated decisions, I think is a better way to put it. And – I think I'm not trying to compare Cisco to those two guys. Okay, I, just, I think I just heard that. That would be awesome. Breaking news: <laughs> Jeff Lagerman says after one quarter of the Hall of Fame game that Cisco is he's got, a, he's got a ways to go, but I like I like his skill set, and I'm excited about him. You know, look, here's the reality: yeah. you put him and Tyson Campbell in a, in the secondary for a long period of time. You're talking two really good football players. You'll take that in a minute. Let's hear from Andre Sisco. It's uh, always fun to hear him talk. He was at the podium earlier this week, and, of course, we talked earlier the offensive perspective of that live tackling period on Sunday. How about Andre Sisco's perspective of that Sunday practice? So it was first play, um, and he was on the sideline tiptoeing. I didn't know we made eye contact, so you know, it wasn't cheap, but uh, – you know, it's, it's good work, though, getting, getting that live work. I was, I was glad that Coach uh, said we on go. Um, and, you know, me and Travis good. Uh, no beef. I really didn't think I hit him that hard. It was the reaction from, like, Ray Sean and everything. Like, yeah, I was like, I hit him like that? It was like, yeah, you hit him like that. So, um, and I saw it on film. It was, it was decent. I didn't feel too bad, though. <laughs> he also said that, hey, all he heard was Doug Peterson say, we're live. And it was on. Well, so I, I, I will say, I think Andre Cisco held back a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah, think, but, you know, like I said, you know, the, even though it's live, you, you have your teammate, you know. an understanding that we're your teammates exactly. I mean, so he could have really smoked them. But, I mean, he backed off a little bit. And, by the way, I think earlier I said it was Rayshon who got the other tackle. Thank you, Chris, for the reminder. It was Trey Herndon. Ah, yes. Who, uh, and, by the way, Trey Herndon's having a strong camp, too. So good for him, and with an opportunity with Darius Williams out with injury, more opportunities for a Trey Herndon, and he 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 looks like he's taken excellent advantage of it. He, you know, he's got some limitations. Trey Herndon does. I know that in years past, you had Trey Herndon's and you had Clay Brooks, 
And the defense was a little predictable sometimes because Trey would be the nickel when they went and played zone. And then they would insert Claybrooks, hoping the opponent wouldn't recognize when they wanted to play man. <laughs> and I was like, well, I think they could probably Seems figure that clear. out. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I think Trey has taken some step up, steps up, and he's been very good tackling. So uh, he's, uh, he's making a case, and he's going to have to be a guy that's got to make a strong case on special teams because the starting roles are probably going to be filled up. So when you get past the starting, the starting guys, sometimes the decision on who to keep is not necessarily made on who's the next best starter, but who's the next best player that we can have that's going to contribute on special teams. And sometimes that's – a little bit confusing for players because they're always so concerned about the positional battles that they're in. Sometimes they can lose sight of how important the special teams. And, uh, you know, I've said this before that Bill Belichick carves out very specific roles for guys on his roster. And when he knows that a guy's not going to be playing regular snaps on offense or defense, he's going to get the best player for the role that they're going to play. And that role is not as a starter, where some coaches and general managers are making the decisions to keep that person based on, is he our next best starter? Well, that's not always the best decision for the organization. Let's come back and we'll get into a couple of the defensive additions in this offseason and free agency that could make their Jags debut in the preseason tomorrow night. A linebacker and a defensive lineman. Logs, I think you might know who I'm talking about. I might. We'll we'll see I if might you have, have the a clue. answer. I, I I think I gave enough hints. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, you might need to help me just a little bit. We'll help you on the other side okay. of this timeout. We'll have the injury report as well. Check out the official Jaguars podcast network. It's free on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. Give us that five star rating and a comment as always. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hey, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Nickel, nickel. Hey, rip, 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 rip. Hey, rip, 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 rip. One thing I do like, though, every time I did, look at your ass. You get to that. How you get it back, boy? Love y'all, boys, man. Rising down. That is Shaq Quarterman mic'd up in the Hall of Fame game in Canton last Thursday. And you can catch the full mic'd up piece on Jaguars.com and Jags social media. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. I'm J.P. Shadrick. That's Jeff Lagerman, Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber, along with us, our entire Jaguars radio and digital crew. Uh, hey, you know, I, I teased as they call it in the business before the break, two defensive additions in free agency that could make their Jaguars debut in the preseason okay. tomorrow night. Okay. Do you have who they are? Um, let's see. Foyer, Aluakon? Yes. Lukan? Yes. Linebacker that the Jaguars were able to acquire from the Atlanta Falcons. He led the league in tackles last He's, year. He's yes. uh, very active, and uh, I, I, I think it's an upgrade from Miles Jack. Miles Jack had – he really had a lot of bright moments, but the inconsistencies 
really with Miles was very frustrating. Sometimes he would have some mental breakdowns. And with Foyer, that's the one thing that he is not known for. He's known for being consistent, productive, high motor. Uh, looking forward to watching him play. I mean, he went to Yale, for goodness sake, so he's a smart guy. Well, I'll say that. I don't think they have the – what do they used to call those guys used to get into school that weren't very smart? Prop <laughs> was like Prop 48 or Prop 38. <laughs> right. They don't do that at Yale. No. Yeah, no, he's a smart called. guy. No, of course. Yeah, he's a smart guy. And, and uh, You talked to him yet or heard him talk yet? I have listened to him, and he's, he, great. He, he's great. Yeah, he's great. He's everything you would expect, natural leader. Correct. Very uh, vocal on the football field. I'm excited to see him, it, 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 however long he plays. Maybe a couple drives, but get him out there. Who else? Well, Who's the other guy? Uh, could Fadakasi play maybe? Yeah, maybe. All right. Uh, the big defensive do. lineman that they were able to acquire from the New York Jets, He's he was a little on the side kind of as training camp started. And um, – I don't want to say he's slow to pick it up because, I mean, when you're not practicing, sometimes it's more difficult. Some people are hands-on. they got to be on the field to learn and practicing. And uh, and then he, he participated in practice over the weekend, uh, the practices that we saw the first part of the week. So we could see him make his debut, and he's going to be an integral part of this defense. He uh, is an uh, immediate starter. Oh, they paid him $30 million, so he well, better yeah, be. Yeah, and <laughs> nowadays, be. nowadays, JP, you can't look at the size of the money and go, well, he's an immediate starter. There's some guys what that are – What are we doing? There's some guys that are rotational players that are getting paid a ton of money. Yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, especially along the defensive line. But he's he's a legit starter. He's a three-down player. Uh, there are times, I think, that um, when, I, when you get to that third down, that he's going to be out, and they probably opt to go to some guys that might be a little bit lighter – uh, Arden Key, uh, uh, Fred, uh, uh, or Dwan Smoot. I mean, some of those guys that can maybe get upfield a little more, do a little right. bit more, uh, and be when you when you get a little bit creative as a defensive coordinator and you start mixing things up a little bit, you want guys that can do some different things to where you might be able to fool quarterbacks and offensive coordinators. But uh, he's a, he's going to be a big part of this defensive success. And then right now, JP, that's probably the one position on this defense that really hasn't had anybody stand up yet. Defensive line. Yeah. Defensive and I'm tackles. Talking, when I, when I, when I mean, interior guys. I'm talking about the big guys. Yeah, now, not I'm not, the, not yeah. the outside linebacker types. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, I'm about, talking the about the hand on the ground guys. Okay, when, when they're playing base defense and they got three big bodies out on the field, you know, a nose tackle and then a defensive end and a defensive end. Now, you would expect Roy Robertson-Harris to kind of pick up where he left off and hopefully take another step and get better this year. <laughs> But, I mean, Malcolm Brown, kind of okay. Play, had a good year last year. Is, have you seen him flash yet? No, in camp. No, have you seen Roy Robertson-Harris flash yet? Not, not especially. Yeah, I mean, that's my point yeah. is that. But is that a should you see that often, though? Damn right. Out of those yeah, positions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I mean, would be look, your definition of a – a flash or a standout at that position in a training camp practice. All of a sudden, there goes number one to go through the line of scrimmage and whammo. And he, the quarterback sacked and he not gets hit. sacked yes. by, you know, a big guy or a quarterback. Or has, a tackle for loss something, or something. Yeah, something. You just you haven't seen a lot of that. So I, I think that that position, and, and look, the reality is, is that you've drafted that position in the last couple of years. 
and uh, Jay Tufele, Devon Hamilton. Yeah. You've tried to address it. You've given some draft equity to that position. Nobody's really risen up yet. And so can one of those guys step up? I hope so because you really need that. But, it, I mean, right now, if, if, if I had to say, okay, next year, what's the one position the Jaguars are going to go and, and really concentrate on the draft, that may be number one at the top. Again, really? Well, when I say number one, I'm not talking – when you say again, see, I don't – They put all this – like you just said it. They've been but, I mean, that was a third and agent guy. That was a third and a fourth round pick. All but, right. I mean, you you need to find somebody along the lines that's that, that dominant inside pass rusher that's a big body. And, and, look, I know that they don't grow on trees. They're hard to find. But if you had to pick one position that you really need – I mean, look, you need a – legitimate top-end number one wide receiver, but everybody says that. But if you want to be really good on defense, you've got some guys on the outside that can play. You know, 44, 41, 91, they can play on the outside. Got to find somebody on the inside. Time now for the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, these are players in individual drills only or off to the side or likely not playing. They don't do official injury reports in the preseason or in training camp, and they actually don't do official inactives. They're just players not dressed. But uh, Jamal Agnew, uh, Doug Peterson said, likely won't go tomorrow. Devin Lloyd, uh, the same thing. Could be back in teamwork next week, Peterson said. James Robinson still trying to work his way back. LaVisca Chenault, also the same thing. Didn't play last week. Likely not tomorrow. Darius Williams is getting back into some team activity, but not quite ready for the games yet. And Christian Kirk added to that list. He's uh, turned an ankle, and we'll see what happens with him tomorrow night. Yeah, I was pretty concerned because that was uh, Monday's practice that the ankle kind of like, eh, you know, you, you got up limping a little bit. By the way, if people are wondering what the maybe the feedback is coming in from our microphones, they're, I guess, testing the sound system here. Hey. hey. I guess at Everbank and hey, it's guess what, Logs? It works. Our our walls works. are literally shaking in here. Right. It's bass and it's like <laughs> through the hallway. Unbelievable. Did they mount a new speaker right outside our studio here? You might add a few more to this injury report with some uh, hearing issues. Yeah, no kidding. Am I hearing bad enough as it is? I'm like half deaf as it is. Well, there's a game tomorrow night and uh, you're going to hear them Whew. before you see them, it sounds like. Uh, so there you have it. That's the injury report. Um, and, you know, hey, we've been pretty fortunate early in camp. Nothing too major. Knock on wood has happened. And uh, let's keep it that way with this game tomorrow night. Well, and Doug Peterson has run what I think has been a, a pretty demanding camp. When I, when I say pretty demanding as far as, I mean, the rules only allow you to do so much. But I think Doug has done a really good job as far as making – what he can, you know, practice-wise, make it demanding. You know, having a couple practices where you're going to do live periods, that's good. It's good. And some of those practices, like the Monday practice, which was the day after that live practice that they had, that was a two-and-a-half-hour, you know, full pads in the heat. Uh, that yeah, was grind. It was. That was grind. And that, that that's good. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that because – there's no shortcuts in football. There's not. And I don't want to sound like I'm preaching up here, but there's not. I mean, you have to do the work. When you, 
when you practice, you get better by practicing your craft. And that's by playing football, you get better at football. And the only way to get better is to get some simulation that's close to what the game speed is going to be because that's how you refine your techniques. That's how you uh, refine some of your physical prowess, that your abilities, you understand what you can and can't do. And that's that happens in practice. And if you don't get those opportunities in practice, then all of a sudden you go into the regular season and you're still trying to figure some of those things out. Well, look, the reality is they're, they're, they're counting in the regular season, okay? It's, the scores are going up, okay, and wins and losses get posted. It's not time for, you know, trying to play catch-up. You want to be ahead of the opponent at where you're at. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll preview tomorrow night's game and who the Browns could start at quarterback on the other side in preseason week one. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Uh, I think I'm a lot better. Uh, I feel like I'm a lot smarter, stronger, faster. Uh, got more skill, working on my, my skill set, you know, a lot during the offseason. And, um, you know, I'm just more confident. So I think all those just help me become a better player. And, and also the great coaches he brought in, you know, I'm, I'm a sponge soaking in everything they, they tell me and, and, and competing with these other uh, guys across from me. So I'm, I'm just getting better every day. That is Tyson Campbell, second-year cornerback for the Jaguars. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour on a Thursday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Yet another guy I like talking to on this team. Uh, he, he got it when he came in as a rookie. you got to remember where he grew up, down in South Florida, playing high school football under Pat Sertan and went to high school with uh, his son and, of course, went to Georgia and had some good years with the Bulldogs there. So the mindset of a cornerback was instilled pretty early for him, and uh, he gets it now. Uh, he's pretty much all business logs, but – um, it's good business, and it's a good thing to have him on this team. Well, I think he's impressive because he's got a great work ethic, he's got a great mindset, and he's got a physical tool set. And you, when you combine all of that, uh, that's pretty impressive. And his length is really what impresses me. When you have the length and then you have the athletic ability to go along with that, you know, look, for years, Gus Bradley, when he was here, and, and all of the disciples that came from that defense of Seattle, they all wanted the corners that had the size and the length, right? I mean, that's sure that yeah. was their mold. Who and doesn't? They would try, actually try, and, and bring guys in that were 6'2 plus just to find that length. And some of those guys aren't the actual, the most fleetest of foot. And so it's difficult to find the length and the speed combination. But Tyson Campbell is that combination, and he's fun to watch. And, you know, I don't know how, how good he can be. You know, is he going to be or can he be a, a, a true shutdown corner? I don't know if he can become that, like a lockdown man, you know, your Darrell Rivas, you know, Rivas Island thing. I don't know if that's him, but I think he can be really good. I mean, and look, Rivas Island, I mean, that's like Hall of Fame guy. Yeah. Darrell Rivas? Uh-huh. 
I've heard of him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes, I'm aware. So look, if he doesn't get to that level, but he gets close to that, hey, we'll okay. take you'll uh, take it all day absolutely. long. Absolutely. You know, he made a play the, in camp the other day, the other week, I guess, and knocked the ball away. And I think his line was, "It's like Chick Fil A on Sunday over here, yeah. closed, closed, closed yeah. down." I love that. Yeah, I, uh, I sometimes have to remind myself when I travel back and forth from Georgia a little <laughs> right bit. Here. There's my favorite stop is the Chick Fil A on the way, and then when mm-hmm. it's a Sunday, I have to remember it's closed for business. But uh, he he has hey. said that a few times, and he kind of joked around that and said that he has been using that line for quite some time. He said, but nobody ever paid attention yet. Pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's even Pretty a better good. line. That's a that's better a, line than the Chick-fil-A one. line. That's a good one. Uh, hey, let's take a look at the Miller Electric Center outside TIAA Bank Field. If you're watching on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, oh, the footprint's coming along nicely. They are. Uh, it looks like they're putting roof on top of it now, which is nice. They've got some flooring going in. They got these pre-engineered walls. Yes, they that do. go up, and so when they start to put them in, it just all of a sudden it's like, bam! It's built. You know, <laughs> they got the the red iron steel construction with these uh, pre-manufactured walls that go up, and then they support them, and then they tie everything in. But yeah, this uh, this thing is rolling because the last like a week ago I came here and then all of a sudden this week I go there and I and the the roof part is going on. Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah, it's coming, it's coming yeah, quick. It's cool. And Pretty remember, cool. in less than a year now, it will be. How many in there. square feet is this thing? Hundred thousand square feet or something. I mean, it's monstrous. It's huge. It is. It, how many it, the Minnesota Vikings? Do you remember how many? Oh, I don't. It was big too. We, we, got a, we got a chance to see that firsthand when uh, the Jaguars practiced against the Vikings prior to the preseason game. And their facility, state-of-the-art, brand new, and, and literally it's like a whole campus. They have a stadium. They've got this training facility. They have like a JOI, you know, surgical center attached mm-hmm. to this campus. I mean, it's, it's big time up there in Minnesota. It was nice. Very nice. This will be also nice, and it will be ready for training camp in 2023. Only three more practices at the Episcopal Sports Campus that the, the Jags are at currently. Then they'll move back over here, game field, flex field, alternate that as they get ready for the regular season. Uh, J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Logham and it's Jaguars Happy Hour. The Doug Peterson Show is coming up at the top of the hour. We're about seven minutes away from that. We'll hear from Doug Peterson from throughout the week. He won't join us tonight, but we'll hear from the coach a good bit on the Jaguars radio network. The Browns and the Jaguars coming up tomorrow night at TIAA Bank Field. A 7 o'clock kickoff time, 4 o'clock for the Publix Tailgate Show on 1010XL and 92.5 FM and the Jaguars social channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. 6 o'clock, it's countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network. We'll hear from Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS. NFL Network and Sirius XM Radio. Always great to visit with him. He, he, he's a, he's he one does, of the great does a great guys job. in the business. He's a great guy. And he's a fantastic analyst on top of that. Yeah, I've known Charles for a long time, and uh, he does a great job. He, he does his homework, and he passes on the information in a very eloquent way. I, I'm a big fan of his. No doubt. So we'll hear from him throughout uh, tomorrow evening leading into the game. Deshaun Watson expected to start. For the Cleveland Browns, depending maybe on if the league institutes the <laughs> indefinite suspension before the game, maybe we'll see, I haven't seen a report whether he's on the plane or not because they would fly down today. But 
he's expected to start at least as of right now, five minutes to five o'clock. What, what a circus. I mean, if, if you're a Cleveland Browns member, I mean, the, the distraction of Deshaun Watson is immense. And if you're a coach for the Cleveland Browns and you're trying to get a football team ready for a regular season, I mean, this is not exactly the way you draw it up. You know, you go out and you sign a player. First of all, that's a topic in a debate right there where ownership essentially agrees to give a, a sex offender $230 million guaranteed. And it's now he hasn't been convicted, but, I mean, heck, when you settle – Case after case after case after case after case and to keep going 23, 24, 25, 26 times or whatever. I mean, how do you give a guy like that $230 million guaranteed and how do you give him a contract that essentially only exposes $1 million of those $230 million in year one knowing that he's going to have some type of a, of a suspension? I just think it's embarrassing. I mean, that, to me, that's embarrassing. And if I was a Cleveland Browns fan, I, I would have a hard time with that. And the commissioner obviously has a hard time with that. With that, He came out and had some very strong words. Yes, he did at the owners' meetings this week. Very strong words. And so now he's appointed a, another former judge to hear this. Uh, I, I, it's another hearing or uh, appeal or whatever you want to call it. And, and, I, and I got some friends of mine that were very curious about this whole process. And, and people need to understand because they were like, okay, well, didn't they agree to having a third party have a ruling on this? Well, that's in the collective bargaining agreement. Okay, and a collective bargaining agreement says is that a third party has the hearing and then issues a determination for the punishment. But the commissioner and or someone he appoints retains the right for an appeal or to change the final punishment decision. And and I I don't have a problem with that because that's what's collectively bargained. And so they, the judge, uh, uh, Miss Sue Robinson, issues this six-game suspension. NFLPA wants that to be the final decision. Commissioner Goodell says, no, we want to have an appeal. We don't think it's enough. He wants a year. And so you now have another former judge that's going to issue an opinion on that. And uh, I would be surprised if his decision is not a full year. You're getting paid by the league, correct? So why would they he not issue an agreement that would be more in line with what the league wants? I mean, don't you want to stay on retainer? Of the NFL for future things of that issue? All I know is that, you know. But it's the biggest story in the league. It's huge. It's huge. Well, and how many cases? Like 24 only, cases. There's only 27, 26 hours. What, I'm bad at math. 26 hours until the game. You are bad at math. So uh, you, there's a clock with hands. I had to read it twice. So <laughs> so that that's how much time they have to maybe do that appeal or change it or whatever. And – who knows what happens in that time? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, but I I, I I would expect that the the reception of Deshaun Watson, I'm sure he's going to hear and see some very creative things, whether it's here or anywhere else that he decides to play at or is allowed to play at this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just can't imagine being on the Cleveland Browns and you're like, you don't know what's going on with your quarterback. You don't know who's going to play for you uh, for when you start the opener. You definitely know that it's not going to be Deshaun Watson. And so if he gets suspended for a year, are they going to be in the market for a Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. or 
or what. But I mean, it's just it's. There's a term that I could probably say what it is, oh and it's, it's there's a word and then a show yeah. that's it's going on in Cleveland. I'm not going to say exactly what the first word is, but people can figure it out because Cleveland's a mess, and it's because they went out and signed Deshaun Watson. The other quarterbacks on the roster are Jacoby Brissett, Josh Dobbs, who we know well. And, and Josh jo- Dobbs is not a very good quarterback. And Josh Rosen. By the way, we the gave up too. like a six-round pick to get him or something. I mean, what are we doing? Defensively, Miles Garrett, Taven Bryan, Jadavian Clowney. Clowney's good, but I'm going to tell you that the, the stud of that defense is Miles Garrett. You won't talk about, I mean, stud. Left out Taven Bryan. Uh, like I said, Miles Garrett, stud. <laughs> Taven Bryant, um, they can have him. Well, we'll see him. They can have him. I think they're planning on playing yeah, the starters. He, he might get an offsides. Ball goes this way. He's running that way. <laughs> it's not ideal. <laughs> so that's that's what's coming up tomorrow night. The Cleveland Browns uh, come well, out. Taven Strong is an ox. Oh sure, man. He couldn't find the ball, and I was hoping he would. I kept hoping every year, thinking that he would get or gain some instincts, some ball awareness instincts. And I kept saying that you know sometimes that comes with experience, but not in his case. So tomorrow night, it's the bank opening for the first time in the 2022 preseason. The Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars, 7 o'clock. Looking forward to it under the lights, Logs. Can't wait for this. Yeah, it's a, well, look. Starters are out there, the whole thing. There's a lot of things to watch. But the guy that really is the one you want to watch and you're hoping to see the most out of is Trevor Lawrence. That's what you're talking about a franchise quarterback. You know, can Doug Peterson take him on this journey that's going to allow him to develop into a franchise quarterback? And we're going to get a glimpse tomorrow night to see if if they're on the right path. Yes, we will. Our first opportunity, that's tomorrow night. Coming up, the Doug Peterson Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. For our entire crew, I'm J.P. Shadrick. This has been Jaguars Happy Hour on Jaguars Radio.